Well, good morning, Passion. Aren't you? Gl- Boy, that was kind of a delayed. I was like, morning. Everybody goes, morning. Let me say that again. Good morning, Passion. There you go. There you go. So glad to have you in the house of the Lord today. I want to say this, and I want you to hear me. You're not here by accident. You're here by a divine appointment. Our Heavenly Father wants to speak something into your life. I don't know what got you here today. An invite. You just drove by. But this I do know. God is in the house. His presence is here. Me and my wife... Yesterday, right before we went to bed, we just began to pray for a move of God in the house today. And I believe that as God moves, miracles happen. Signs and wonders are seen. Lives are changed. And the greatest of all, the lost are brought to a knowledge of Christ Jesus. Amen. We started a new sermon series today called Beyond Blessed. And I want to start by telling you a story. There, there was a woman by the name of Brenda Jones. She'd been suffering for years with a, a liver problem. Finally, the doctors told Brenda, said, you're going to have to have a liver transplant. They put her on the list. A year has passed. Then finally, one day, Brenda gets a phone call. They call and say, Brenda, we have found a liver. We will set up the surgery We'll call and let you know when everything is ready, but be ready. It's about to happen. Brenda, who is 69 years old, she's lively and excited. And although she's been sick, she can't wait to have this transplant because now she's going to feel better and can enjoy life again. She receives a phone call again from the hospital at Baylor. Thinking that it's the call to say, come on in, it's time for the surgery. And the daughters call and they say, Miss Jones, last night we had a 24-year-old girl flown into the hospital. She needs a liver. If she doesn't, she's going to die tonight. Would you be willing to give up your liver? It's a match. It's a perfect match for her. Would you be willing to give it up? Without hesitation, Brenda Jones, knowing the consequences of what she says, without hesitation, she said, for sure, give the young lady the liver. The young girl would survive because of the liver transplant. But now what does Brenda Jones do? It took a year. It took a year to get the one that she needed. She trusted believed in God four days later they called Brenda and said we found a perfect match Brenda's still alive today one of the daughters would say it's the greatest story of generosity they had ever seen the greatest story of generosity as we start out this sermon series on beyond blessed I want to talk to you about generosity what that means Winston Churchill said this we make a living by what we get but we make a life 
by what we give. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Today, I want to talk to you about generosity. In fact, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. I want to read a story to you today of what I find one of the greatest stories of generosity in the Bible. But hidden within this story becomes a revelation of heart. Hidden within this story, we'll find two major questions that I'll share with you today. These questions are very important for you and for me. It says in John chapter 12, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Those, and, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to portray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And I love what Jesus says. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended, and I want you to hear this right here. Remember this word. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Stop there. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive. And God, I pray that every heart and every mind to be open to receive, God, what you've got in store. And Lord, let not one, not one, leave this house the same way that they came but let them be blessed by your word and your presence in Jesus name amen and amen to give you a little background of the story uh, Jesus has come to a dinner to honor his name we don't know why but from the very beginning we think most likely to to honor Jesus for raising Lazarus from the dead that's a that's a pretty cool party isn't it amen what do you bring to that party? I don't know what kind of food you bring. I don't know what kind of gifts you bring. I don't know what kind of decorations you put up. But they have a party to honor Jesus. To kind of set the story, if you, if you were to walk into the room with me right now, if you look over toward the kitchen area, you'd see Martha. She's working hard because that's what Martha does. She's over there working hard, getting everything prepared and everything ready. The Bible says that Lazarus is over there reclining. Now, he's not in a, in a lazy boy, but he is over there kind of reclining. Why? Because Lazarus probably isn't worrying about life anymore. 
He's experienced death. He's gone through the worst part that we could imagine, but yet he's all right. And God has delivered him. God has brought him back from the dead. And he's just like, life is easy now. Where's Mary? If you look around the room, you find Mary. Mary's not over the reclining. She's not in the kitchen working. If you look for Mary, you'll find Mary at the bottom of the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that she takes an, an alabaster jar of pure, what they call spike nard, and takes this nard, and the Bible says that she literally breaks it open and pours it over the feet of Jesus. She takes her long hair, and she begins with that oil to begin to clean and wash the feet of Jesus. There's always a troublemaker in the room, Amen. There's probably one right, right now inside this room. If you're that person, raise your hand. There's always a troublemaker in the room. The sad part is, is this troublemaker turns out to be one of the disciples, one of the followers of Jesus himself. We all know him, or most of us know who he is. In fact, we make a comment all the time, don't be a Judas. We know what that means. Don't betray me. Don't stab me in the back. Don't do me wrong. And at this moment, what happens is Judas sees it. He becomes enraged and he gets upset. He goes, what? Now, let me tell you why he becomes upset. The alabaster jar that she just poured on the feet of Jesus was worth what we call about 300 denarius. Now, 300 denarius, let, let, me, let me explain that to you. A denarius was a day's wages. So if you got 300 denarius, what that would mean is with the sabbatical, some of the festivals and other things that would happen throughout the year. In other words, 300 denarius would be equivalent to a year's wages. So in other words, think about that for a moment. In other words, if you take all the money that you made in one year and in one setting, in one moment, you in essence do away with it. It's gone. The Bible says Judas gets upset. He's going, whoa, we could have taken that money and we could have, I mean, we could have taken that oil and we could have sold it and we could have given it to the poor. He was lying. He didn't care about the poor. He wasn't worried about the poor. In fact, it tells us straight out in that passage there what he was concerned about was, well, he'd been putting his hand in the money box, the cookie jar. He had been working to take more money from Jesus than anybody else. And when he saw that they could have sold that year's wages of perfume and he didn't get it, he was upset. I share this story with you today because in the middle of this story, I want to ask you two questions. Number one, why did Mary give so much why did Mary give so much? Here's a second question. Why did Judas protest so much? Why did Judas protest so much? You know, there's different ways we're generous. We're generous with our time, hang out with people, go do things with individuals. We're, we're generous with our time. We can be generous with our talents. For those on the praise and worship team, they're, they're, they're gifted, they're talented, they can sing, they can play instruments. So what do they do? They are generous to give of their time. 
Maybe some of us are, are, are generous with our feelings. We're willing to, to share how we feel about people and, and how wonderful a job they're doing and, and we make them feel good. There's also what we say we're generous with our giving, our, our finances, our, our money. I heard Robert Morris recently, he, he said that he'd been praying one day about giving. And he said, I was praying why giving was created. First thought he said that came to my mind was, he said, giving was created that we might be a blessing to the kingdom of God and the church and his work. He said, but at that moment when I thought that, I thought to myself, that's not the reason. And at that moment, Robert Morris says this. He said, God didn't create giving for his sake. God created giving for our sake. In fact, let me say something to you today. How many know God doesn't need your money? Amen. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Amen. Not, not a thousand cattle. He owns cattle on a thousand hills. In other words, God, well, God got some money. Amen. He, he, he's doing all right. He, he, he's doing all right. He, he really doesn't need our, our money. So if God doesn't need our money, but yet God wants us to be generous, and let me stop here because I want to say this many times in the church when we begin to talk about money, some of you start checking out. I don't want to talk about money. Why do we got to talk about giving? Can I tell you why we have to talk about giving? You ready? There are over 2,350 verses in the Bible about money. It's actually the number one topic in the scriptures. Did you know that? In fact, prayer and faith combined only have 500 scriptures. In the parables, 11 of the 39 parables are about money. Half of everything Jesus talked about was about money. So does that mean Jesus wants your money? No, but he knows you want your money. Amen. He knows you like your money. See, remember what Robert Moore said. He said, Generosity was not created for God's sake. He doesn't need our money. God was created for our sake. Why? Because it becomes a revelation of where you are when it comes to your heart and your life toward God. See, generosity shows that we're willing to give. We're willing to let go. We're willing to trust God. Generosity shows that it's not about us, but it becomes about him. Generosity shows that God, I trust you. In fact, can I tell you today, really what generosity is, it's really nothing to do about a tithing or a money issue. Actually, generosity is about a trust issue. Do you trust God? Do you believe he will do what he said he'll do? I've got some points for you today. Number one, write this down. Generosity is a test that reveals a heart condition. Generosity is a test that reveals a heart condition. Uh, one time I had to go and get a, uh, what do you call it? Stress test. And I don't know why I needed a stress test because I knew I had stress. I didn't need a test to prove that. But I'd have been having some problems. I went to the doctor one day and uh, my chest was hurting a little bit and everything. He said, well, I want you to go get a stress test. And I went and got a stress test. And what that stress test was that day, in fact, they, they put me on this thing where you had to kind of, 
I think, run up a staircase type thing. And they put me on there. And I'm kind of always an overachiever. So I, I jumped on there and I'm like, and I'm just running as fast as I can go. And he's like, Mr. Leggett, slow down. We don't want you to die right here. Then they made me do something where I had to do my head backwards or something like that. In other words, what they're doing is, is they're giving me a test to reveal whether I have a heart condition. See, that's what generosity becomes. For Mary and this alabaster jar that she could have sold, in fact, many times during this time, they would have something they would put all their money in so they could one day sell it. She's got this alabaster jar of oil perfume. And in one moment, she goes and she takes that jar and she opens it and she pours it all over the feet of Jesus because at that moment for her and her mind, her heart condition was this, generosity toward her God. God, I'm willing to give you everything. I'm willing to give you everything I've got. See, see, here's the question I would have for you today when it comes to, to generosity. Are you willing to give God everything you've got? I'm not just talking about money today. I'm talking about your, your talent. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about getting ready here. I'm talking about your family. I'll never forget one day, and it was a Casey Treat. I was watching him online, and he, he said that I was standing there, my son was out riding a four-wheeler, and as my son was riding a four-wheeler, he said, I felt like God just began to speak in my heart. And at that moment, as God began to speak in my heart, he said, I heard the Lord say to me, do you trust me with your family? He said, well, yes, God. He said, no, Casey, I'm asking you. Do you trust me with your family? He said, yes, God. He said again, he said, do you have faith? Will you give me your family and trust I'll take care of it? He said, yes, God. And he said, just about the time that he said that, all of a sudden his son turned the wrong way and the four-wheeler began to flip over and over and over and over again. He said, I freaked out. He said, I began to start running to my son. And as I began to start running to my son, he said, all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you told me you trusted me. And he said, I stopped running. And I walked over to my son. And to, some, to my surprise and my amazement, my son was not hurt. See, what we hold back from God can't be blessed. Because what you hold back from God is always and will always be in the natural. But what you trust God with and give God, then it's got the supernatural anointing and supernatural power over it. And because God can watch over it, can I tell you, God can take care of it. God can bless it. God can do something wonderful with it if you'll give it to him and trust him with it. Amen. See, really generosity is you willing to let it go and give it to God because if you'll let it go and give it to God, God will take care of it all. I was with a friend of mine the other day. We were talking and, and, and I began to kind of share kind of a, a word with him. I said, what's the next thing in your life and what's going on? And he said, man, I don't know. He said, I just hear sacrifice. And we were talking. He said, but whatever it is, if the Lord requires, takes everything, I'm fine. I'll start all over again. I thought, Wow. But yet you then see another story. Look at what he says here. He says, 
But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who betrayed him said, why was the fragrant oil not sold for the 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then he said, not that he cared about the poor. See, many times we'll talk about that. We'll talk about our giving, our tithes, our offering, our, our finances. Well, God don't need my money. God doesn't need it. Listen, you're right. God doesn't need it. But God does want you to know about your heart and where your heart's at. Judas didn't want them. I mean, Judas didn't care about the poor. It was a joke. Thank, thank goodness that God, Jesus didn't laugh My my mind is not always correct. I can be crazy sometimes. But I've got this idea that when Judas said, well, what about the poor? I have this idea of Jesus going, what? Judas, you you just say the poor. I'm sorry. Is that an acronym for something else? Put all offering right in my pocket. I don't know. what, 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 What was it there? Because you sure don't care about the poor. But see, really, it wasn't just about the money. It became a revelation of the heart of Judas. Remember, I'm not just talking about money today. Maybe it's when we come up and say, hey, are you willing to serve? I just don't have time. Hey, are are you willing to so-and-so? He's right there. They're not doing well. Will you just give them a call and talk to them and and just kind of help them through this difficult moment? I'm sorry, I just don't have time. Are you serving in your call? Well, I just got to make a living right now. I've just got to make enough money to take care of my my family right now. So can I tell you that at that moment, Judas, it became a revelation. Why did Judas protest so much? It wasn't that Judas really wanted the money for the poor. Judas protested so much because he wanted the money for himself. See, generosity and our lack of becomes a revelation of really who we are inside. Money's never been a big thing to me. I chose the wrong line of business for about money, amen. I should have gone with that modeling career. I would have been broke then. But see, where's your heart at? See, generosity is really nothing more than a test. Number two, write this down. Generosity is an action, not just an acknowledgement. Has anybody ever seen the uh, commercials with the little dogs out in the cold? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's for like PETA or something like that. Yeah, yeah so it makes me cry. Every time those commercials come, that little dog's over outside going, you know what I'm talking about? It's the saddest thing. And you know what I'll do? I'll watch the whole, and it's a long commercial. It's a stupid, long commercial. And I'll watch it, and I'm like, oh, that little dog. <laughs> and you know what I do at the end of the commercial? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> to this day, I haven't given one dime to PETA or whatever it's called. I don't know what they're called. I haven't given one dime. I acknowledge somebody needs to help the little puppies. I understand someone needs to help. and I get it. I'm not being dismissive. But the problem is I am being dismissive because at the very end, I may have acknowledged the issue or acknowledged the problem or acknowledged what needed to be done. The problem is I never put it to action. 
See, for many of us, we need to understand that feeling like I should be generous, acknowledging we should be generous, saying we need to be generous isn't enough. Because what you're really not understanding is generosity becomes that test, that revelation of where your heart is. And if you're not willing to put action to your words, then it doesn't mean a thing. I've got a good friend of mine who says this all the time. He talks about, uh, you know, making a decision to do something. He said, five frogs are on a log and five make a decision to jump off. How many are left on the log? Five said they decided and said they did, right? See, we many times in our life don't understand that God is pushing us to generosity. Why? Because God wants you to break out of selfishness. God wants you to break out of it's all about you. God wants you to start making it about yourself. God wants to push you to where you begin to say, God, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to help. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm not just going to acknowledge that there needs to be generosity. I'm actually going to do something about it. That's why can I prepare you for something if you come to Pastor John, you're ready. If you come to Pastor John and say, hey, I've got an idea of something the church needs to start doing. Praise God. Guess who's doing it? You. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, Pastor. I, 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 I didn't say it so I would be in charge. I didn't say I, I don't want to do it. Then don't bring it up. You acknowledge, but you didn't bring action to your acknowledgement, and it doesn't really mean a thing. See, generosity isn't an acknowledgement, it's an action. But I see someone in need. I know they need this or they need that, and I'm willing to step out, and I'm willing to do it because I don't want to stay where I am in this land of selfishness. I want to step out. See, God is a generous God. God the Father sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you and me. It's the greatest story of generosity you'll ever hear. Number three, generosity is designed to keep generating. Generosity is designed to keep generating. Listen to what he says. But Jesus said, leave her alone. She has kept this day for my burial. For the poor are with you always. But me, you do not have. As we look in this story, and I, and I want you to hear me when I, when I say this, it, she was destined to do this. It was intended to prepare him for his burial. We many times, when it comes to giving, when it comes to generosity, we struggle. We struggle to give. We struggle to do what God's called us to do. Because in our minds, we don't have to. But see, there's another reason we struggle with generosity. I, I've, well, if I can be honest with you, I have a problem with the prosperity movement. I do. 
I have a lot of friends that are into the prosperity movement, but see, my belief is I don't give to get. I get to give. And if I make my generosity, can I tell you, listen to me, not just finances, even with my time. See, I've been generous to give my life to the kingdom of God and to ministry. And can I tell you, I haven't always received blessings back from the ministry. Someone asked me one time, have you ever thought about quitting the ministry? I said, every Monday, I think about quitting the ministry. Why don't you? Because I didn't get in the ministry whether I made you happy or sad. I didn't get in the ministry whether I pleased you or didn't please you. I got in the ministry because I decided to be generous with my life toward God's will and God's purpose for me. In fact, let me say this to you. If you give today and you never receive anything else from God, that's all right. Because the greatest blessing that you've ever received is the blessing of salvation. That Jesus Christ died on a cross for you and through the shedding of his blood, you have forgiveness of sins. Amen. See, the reason I say that is, is because as we get into this story about generosity, generosity does generate. In fact, let me give you a passage. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says this, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You have to understand this, this passage here. And this is what it meant was they would, in essence, go to the, to the marketplace. A lady would have uh, kind of like a, a bucket or a basket. And they would pour something in like grain. And she would have part of her skirt, her apron underneath it. And they would, if, if, if there was a good guy, a good person, not a stingy one, they would put grain in there and keep, they would shake it up, press it down, shake it up, press it down. until it was so full, it would run over into their apron or their dress. That was generous or generosity. But this is what he says. Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. We put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Say Corinthians says this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Listen, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. And I love this. God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not just talking about your money. If we'd have you write on a list today, scale one to 10, how generous are you with your time? Very generous, Pastor. I mean, probably about once a month I serve. 
Is that enough? How generous are you with your prayer time? Oh, pastor, right before I eat, every time I pray, is that enough? How generous are you with your ear? Are you willing to listen to someone in pain and sorrow that needs help? In other words, what God is saying in, in, in the passage I read about the pressed down, shaken together, that actually has nothing to do with money. So people who use that passage to talk about money has nothing to do with money. Where you become generous at, God can bless. I did not want to be a preacher. I had no desire. I've been raised in a preacher's home all my life. And I saw the struggles. I had my life planned out and I knew what I wanted to do. But there came a moment when I decided I would rather spend my life doing God's will than doing my will. Because I knew if I did God's will, God can bless me. If I give God my finances, he can bless it. Let me say this. Is God going to make you a millionaire? I don't know. I had a guy told me that years ago. God told me he's going to make me a millionaire. I said, you're a fool of it. That's what I told him. You know why I said that to me? I said, well, what are you going to do? What do you mean? Are, are, are you going to school? Are you getting a job? What are you, you got a great idea to create, build something? What? No, God's just going to give it to me. I said, no, he's not. I said, you tithe them? No, no, I don't have to give. God will bless. I said, no, he won't. Because what you don't give to God, God cannot bless. But if I give God my life, he can bless it. If I give God my words, he can bless it. If I give God my time, he can bless it. If I give God my family, he can bless them. If I give God everything, then everything in my life will be blessed. Every night, I give my children to God because I know He's a greater Father than I could ever be. What have you not been generous with? Because it's time to be generous with God. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. How many have been lacking generosity in your life? I'm not just talking about your finances. But with your prayers, your time, your talents, what is it that you have not been generous with that you need to give to God? If there's an area in your life that you've been selfish, then I want you to raise your hand right now. Lord, I pray for every, every hand that is raised. And I ask today, Lord, that you would bless them. That God, they would learn the art of generosity that it becomes a revelation of their heart, a test of their motives. And I pray today, Lord, that they would trust it. Generosity really, Lord, is a It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion